Hello team and welcome to episode 398 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Goldie Utumchandani. Goldie is a Spanish-born mum of two teenagers with Indian roots. She also happens to be a client that I've worked with for the past two years. You may remember Goldie from an episode that we did last year, which was focused on her profession as a coach. And in today's episode, we are diving deep into our health and fitness journey. Over the last two years, Goldie has gone through a complete transformation. And we've seen just about everything on her journey, from successes to setbacks. And in today's episode, we're going to go through through how she's come out on the other side stronger than ever. In this episode, you can expect to learn how Goldie's health and fitness journey begun and how her why changed when she started having children, why Goldie's focus on feeling great rather than focusing on the scales has led her to the best success she's had within her health and fitness, along with how she's made this journey a lifestyle whilst thriving in her career and raising children at the same time. So without further ado, Goldie Utam Chandani. Welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you, Elliot? I am amazing. I'm excited to go for round two. So for the listeners who are tuning in today, Goldie and I did an episode maybe just about 14 months ago, I want to say, and it was so, so valuable. And it was more on your profession more than your personal journey. But I think that this episode was always in the books to discuss your journey on a very, very deep level. And I'm super, super excited to go into it. So I'm not going to ask the question of who you are and what it is that you do, because I hope that listeners are going to tune into your first episode if they haven't already heard it. And where I do want to start is you giving a little bit of context about yourself in the lead up to the journey and where you got started with this health and fitness thing from the very beginning not just our coaching journey but what did health and fitness look like in your life prior to us working together thank you for that question because it's it's very relevant um you know i woke up this morning knowing that i was going to be on the show and uh, a large part of me reminded me of, of something that in fact you had said on one of your um newsletters do you remember those <laughs> i do i um, wish i was still doing them <laughs> that remind yeah. me <laughs> um and it stayed with me at the time because I very much resonated with that. And I think in a nutshell, what I would like to say is when I started on this journey, I I did consider myself work in progress because I do come from a background of uh, always um, putting health and fitness, you know, in the front of my uh, my priorities. It's, it's one of my values actually held. But as I have progressed with you and and realized that there was a very big need at the time for me to to come back to something, not come back to it, but see it in a very different light and educate myself even further. What I what I would contrast is that today I'm still that work in progress, but I do pat myself on the back a little bit now and, and call call it my masterpiece. There is a very large circle I've completed and I think today from being work in progress I can say I'm I I have achieved a little bit of mastery in what were my goals. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. And I think that the ability to then recognize that you can be both simultaneously is one of the most magical things that we can do but also at the same time kind of having a standard for what the masterpiece looks like as well I think that there's a lot in understanding your worth and being super sufficient just as you are but also at the same time recognizing that you know a masterpiece needs work and a masterpiece is something that is maybe of the highest vision that we have and that it does require a little bit of chipping away at a little bit of work to do and tweaking but also recognizing that you know you can be the both simultaneously it's absolutely beautiful and you're always working towards this beautiful lifelong project which is yourself is something that's very very powerful indeed so I love that and what I want to do is I want to scroll back the years even further and meet Goldie as a teenager Goldie as a young girl what did your life look like then from a health and fitness standpoint I think the the most important aspect back then was there was none of it there was a, a need for it and I recognized it but from a standpoint of I don't feel like I look great. And I want to emphasize on look because this is something that today I don't even use that word. I I replace it with I want to feel great. And it's taken me years of understanding that you can only look a certain way if you feel 
a certain way first. So the Goldie who was a teenager was a lot more superficial in terms of how I must appear in front of people. And this is just not even about health and fitness. It was more about aesthetically. So if my hair was curly or straight, that made a difference to my day. If I was, you know, suiting a certain outfit, then that sort of made or made it or break broke my day. And it's it's incredible how little I knew uh, about what I should have done, which was just, you know, partake in some sport. And maybe I wasn't giving myself the opportunities or I wasn't presented the opportunities. And if I was, I didn't take it seriously enough because patience was a big, big learning lesson through the journey I've been with you. Everything, good things take time. So that's, that's, yeah, that was the, that was Goldie the teenager. There was never really much focus on eating the right thing. It was, I have to just try to maybe eat less. This was also uh, a big myth that I've uncovered over the years. It's taken a long time, but you know, it's, it's as part of growth, isn't it? Absolutely. And where was the first awareness that you had that you wanted to start looking better? Maybe it started from how my hair looked and what I was wearing, but when did it first occur to you that actually my body needs to quote unquote appear in a certain way for me to be accepted, liked by others and myself as well? I think Accepted by others was at the forefront of my mind, but I did soon begin to realize, especially when I met my husband, that he didn't care how I looked because he saw me for who I was. And so that was never an issue. But what I did realize was when I had my first child was this realization came to me. Well, if I don't feel great inside of me, what am I going to be teaching my son? And that's essentially there was a trigger there i think because obviously when you're pregnant you you know you gain the kilos and then you if you have the the baby you deliver and everything was smooth i had this beautiful you know being in front of me and once i was settled into my routine with my child i recognized well i can do more than what i have already been doing by then i was doing sports i was actively taking part in aerobics and this was much before my running days so once Nikash was born, I recognized, I think what I, I need to do more of is become stronger. And that was a new word for me. It wasn't about, I want to look good. It was, I want to feel stronger because I'm holding this child who's only going to get heavier. And what good will I be if I don't have a strong back? If I don't um, have stronger arms? I, I it, it was just very organic that the journey there. The, the reasoning, you know, behind wanting to engage in some form of fitness uh, activity. Yeah, that's where the different circumstances in our lives start to create new whys. And I think it's super important to be open to the changes that come because of had you not had your child at that time, you might have continued to not prioritize exercise as much. It might have been continued focus on the weight loss side of things and the fat loss side of things versus anything else but as you mentioned I now have a child to pick up and he's not getting any lighter like it brings that new purpose and that new level of why and I think that that's why it's really important not only for people to listen to the signs of life but also listen to things as they adapt as well because of the reason you started is probably not the same reason that you might want to be continue with your health and fitness today and that changes year on year and time on time so yeah, I think that's a really really big takeaway as well and I'm curious about maybe now your weight loss pursuits or your fat loss pursuits as we're going to make sure that we correctly define them today how many of those did you embark on ahead of reaching out to myself before we started working together I think when I'll go back to the word strength I was extremely aware of uh, specific symptoms that I wasn't happy to be experiencing because as I told you, health has always been at the front of my my radar, but because you don't see a specific need in the immediate present, you may just ignore it for the large part. I was beginning to notice that my back was hurting, my lower back. I was um, very aware that my pelvic muscles were looser and you know a bit weaker as a consequence of the delivery. And I was very lucky that in those days, I was in the hands of a woman who educated me on strengthening your pelvic muscles. And I think it just started there. So knowing and learning and being a little bit more educated on um, the importance of specific, the smaller muscles is where my journey began. And that's what led me to Pilates, which was the very first 
experience, I would say formal experience of fitness for me, which was very different to cardio, anything related to sweating. I, I was, I was uh, skeptical, to be fair, as to what is this going to do and how is this going to you know, work for me. And again, I was very young as well. I was only 27 at the time. But and as a, as a 20 plus year old, you are looking to see who is inspiring you in, in how you want to look even even then there what there was a big need of me to, for me to look good right that that had not completely disappeared and i remember very clearly i used to, i'm a big fan of the show friends me too <laughs> so a lot of talk was done back then oh you know jennifer aniston has transformed her body because she did this thing called pilates and i i observed her journey as a viewer on how she looked different it wasn't that she looked thinner or you know, she just looked leaner and everything was to do with this thing called Pilates. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to try it. <laughs> and I didn't remember this until you just asked me the question, but that was a big reason why I went for it. And it suited my timings. It was comfortable to attend the classes. Again, I was very blessed with having a very good trainer at the time who taught me the technique of breath work and how that influences the actual exercise. And then of course, results did show. And within a year or so, nine months to 12, when my son returned one, I was in a very different mindset. And physically, I looked quite different to what I had been before. Yeah, it's super impactful because of once again, you picked up on one of those key signs that life was giving you. And it was not only the advice of your body telling you, okay, I need to be stronger because I'm having these pains. It was, you know, seeing friends and say Jennifer Aniston is another sign as well, but then also having the right mentor at that time to take you through that journey, which I think is, this is the thing with a lot of situations in life is that there are gentle knocks at the door, right? There are gentle knocks on the door of saying, okay, there's something heading not in the best direction here. You can either answer now, and it's probably going to be far easier to deal with, or if we don't, it's only going to get heavier, that knock, and it's only going to get harder to deal with as well. So I think that was a big takeaway initially is that you listen to those gentle knocks on the door. And now I want to kind of go through the years thereafter as well. You obviously had your second child. You also then got into running as well. What did that process look like? So after I had Bianca, my, my daughter, this changed my body quite considerably. It was, it, it was not as easy to bounce back, you know, to... Uh, the Goldie who was ready to have baby number two and she felt good. I, I always listened. This is just a moment. I think I want to say that I've, I've realized I've always been somebody who seeks professional help and not just word of mouth or read up. I, of course I read up on things, but the decisions come a lot from what the professionals tell me. And I do remember very clearly my gynecologist at the time said to me, you, if you can start planning your second child at the same weight that you were when you had your first one, then there is a higher chance that you will not have that residual weight hanging over you if you've managed to eliminate it through the years that you've had your baby number one. And and that just made a lot of sense to me because I thought, okay, if I was weighing, I don't know, 57, 58 when I was pregnant with Nikash, if I can get back to that, then I've, I've managed to eliminate the toxins and whatnot. That, that, that's pretty easy. But, you know, the gain of the pregnancy weight is very, it, it determines how you can then manage the next child and if you choose to have a third one, etc. So I was able to start at the right weight, which because I had been very cognizant of this advice. But when I delivered Vianca, I do remember I had gained a little bit more than I had gained when I was pregnant with Nikash. So there was that much more to sort of shed off. Again, I'm coming from a mindset of weight loss, okay? So this is when I was already 30. Today I'm 45. Things have dramatically changed since then. So, you know, just wanted to give that pointer there. And so I was struggling to, it was about five kilos, I remember. And again, I was in the hands of my trainer at the gym and she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, look, this Pilates thing is great. I'm feeling f strong, but I, I do feel like I would benefit from shedding some weight as well. And she said, well, would you consider running? And I said, running, 
uh, I looked at her like she was speaking, you know, some alien language to me. <laughs> because I get it was a limiting belief I'd always carried my whole life. I'm the chubby, you know, little bit overweight girl who can't run. I mean, that's just unbelievably like just it was not in my dictionary. And she said, well, we can start slow. And when she said slow, I said, what's slow for you? Jogging, walking? She goes, yeah, whatever you, what's, what's slow for you? And I loved her questions. Again, I think that was very, it was a very powerful approach she took. So the running came as a consequence, again, of a need that I identified, which was I need to just take some weight off me to feel better. That this was my reasoning back then to feel better. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that meant looking better. So I will feel better when I look better, you know, it's funny how I say all these things today, but they just taught, taught me so much. The wonderful, uh, byproduct of that was I became a runner and this obviously has been a huge part of my life since then. So Vianca turns 15 in July, that will be the number of years that I have been a runner. And essentially, I think it's been at the core center of my fitness, uh, whether I've, you know, lost fat, gained fat, but it's always been at the core center. And you know this just from the two years we've been together on our journey and a big confidence booster as well, Elliot, because I discovered something that I could do for myself and I realized I was not all that bad at it. So it just added that boost for me. Uh, which which was wonderful to to experience as a as an as a side effect of of you know choosing to be a runner. Yeah, definitely something you probably didn't expect. And do you remember your first run? I can imagine that that first run was probably quite intimidating, quite daunting. But I'm sure there's many people listening today who have liked running is not in my dictionary. That's what people in the London Marathon do. And that's about it, right? That's the only form of running I know. Or if I need to get away fast, then maybe I can move my legs at some speed. But other than that, you know, it's just not something that is in my vocabulary. And I'm sure so many people can relate with that. So I'm curious to hear what was that first run? like and how did you build the confidence off the back of that again it was baby steps I remember my my trainer at the time said to me okay I'm going to sign you up for a, a 10k and I said no I can't do a 10k I I can maybe do a 5k at, at best and she said well you know what if you have to stop at 5k you stop at 5k because this is not this is, there's no running police behind you to tell you that you have to finish <laughs> uh which was comforting to hear so she she was able to coach me through even the first run because she ran with me and we 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 crossed 5k and i i had prepared obviously i had done my my work for this first run but i think more than the preparation i just didn't have the belief in myself so that run what it what it obtained for me was this one objective was i can do this and I think she knew it, but she needed me to believe it. And that's always the case, right? You can tell somebody that they're great, but they won't really believe you until you feel yourself that you're great. Uh, we crossed 5K and she said, how are you feeling? Can you go on? And I didn't even blink. And I said, yeah, come on, let's do it. And we crossed 10K. And I do, and I do remember she did prepare me for a visualization before the run because this is obviously textbook running work, isn't it? I mean, now I know because of the years I've been doing it, you have to visualize the finish line. And she said to me, what do you want to visualize at the finish line? And, and I said, I want to visualize my daughter because essentially this has come as a consequence of her coming into my life. And I associate a lot of my motivation towards Vianca. And so she said, okay, let's visualize her waiting for you at the at the finish line. I said, yeah, but we're, we're, we may not see her because there's so many people. So what she told me was to associate a song on my playlist that reminds me of Vianca and to have that strategically playing towards the last kilometer or 500 meters or what so. And I did that. So for me, the, the finish line was a big uh, trophy because I knew I was being welcomed by my child who was going to cheer me on to do many more runs in the future. <laughs> and that's exactly what you did. How many runs have you done since then in those past 15 years? Oof, I've never counted, Elliot, but I think half marathons, if you speak of 21 If we're speaking races, yeah. Yeah. Uh, official 21Ks, uh, it's about eight or nine. And 
I've never done a full marathon. 10Ks, oof, I don't know, many, maybe double, yeah. <laughs> and is a full marathon on the agenda in the future for you? No, it's not. Because I, I, did, I did go through an injury uh, in, in my mid-30s. I started running at 30, so not that I'm sort of putting a limit on anything, but it was later than the average person who maybe started starts running. It, that's my opinion, okay? I'm not sort of gauging this on science or anything. And physiologically, I feel that my body can take 21K. I don't think I can actually manage more than that because it can have a lot of impact on my uh on my on my lower back which is where i have a tendency to get more injured so when i had this injury back then i was told to just prepare myself to be a runner for that much kilometers not more uh because i would be sort of crossing some boundaries and i i've been very uh respectful to that advice again from the professionals mm, and honestly speaking i think that's really wise to be completely honest because i think that there is an aspect that you might think ah well it's a limiting belief but if you look around even if you look at professional sports there are some people who get injured every two or three games they play or every two or three races they play and then there's others who don't get injured at all and it's not necessarily always down to their training or their nutrition or circumstance it's just due to how much their body can take and genetically we're all given a certain set of circumstances and a certain body and limitations that we have within ourselves and i think that that's a really good point to make is that some people will be built to be amazing 5k runners some people will be amazing at 10k and some people will be amazing at bodybuilding whilst others will be absolutely terrible that's it because of you know genetically speaking it might not be the best thing for them so i, I really like that you had that idea in mind and you had the right level of professional guidance since you've basically honed in on the 10 to 21k mark i guess yeah i have and interestingly this is what then inspired me to consider another form of racing as well, which was the triathlon, which was something that honestly, Elliot, for running was one, one big deal for me. But being a triathlete was definitely not something that I didn't even know what that meant when I was first introduced to the, the idea. And what I realized over time was it's a really beautiful complementing form of racing that also helps you to avoid injury if you're just, like you said, honing into one form of, of, of race, which is run. But this gives you the opportunity to tap into other areas that you may not even realize you could you can manage. And they're not that long, the distances, if you start from the, the super sprint, which is the minimum. It's it sounds like a big word, triathlete, but you you can you can become again a master of all traits if you work on on the different areas and and it just and and what the beautiful thing about that be doing a triathlon is that it works on very different muscles in your body so that i equate to as balance and even not just physically but mentally you're aware that you're now going to be you know working into arm strength or you're now going to be looking at legs or core and this all just beautifully combines together and makes a package which is then, you know, the, the, the result is a triathlon. Yeah, that's very nice, actually, if someone doesn't see themselves as a super long distance runner. Running is a very intense and demanding and very singular movement-based sport. Whereas when you go into cycling and swimming, you kind of take a lot of the impact off that you would receive from running. Yeah. It's that constant hitting of the ground, hitting the ground. And then also, like you said, you're diversifying by using your upper body in the form of the swim. And then you've got a lot, I mean, you're using your core throughout all three of those. But then again, your core strength within your cycling as well. So it's a nice way to, like you said, continue the pursuit of those cardio ventures but without maybe running your knees into the ground or running your ankles or your shins into the ground by continuously running and did you achieve that weight loss that you're after following Vianca off the back of starting running I did I did I, I I was able to meet the goal I've also realized I'm a goal-driven individual so if 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 I don't achieve it I don't sort of give myself a hard time but I don't give up and I try to keep finding ways to get there so I did get to that number. And again, I say this as a number because today that number doesn't mean anything, but it felt good then. And I think it was very necessary for, you know, you have to go through these transitions in life in order to then see what else is in store for you. So the work had started, the progress was being done. 
But little did I know that after you turn 40, <laughs> things dramatically change again in the body. So for a long time, that was the recipe to my success. You know, I was running, I was doing Pilates, uh, the occasional yoga class. And I was I took tennis up again for a little while as well in my 30s, which is something I've always been very fond of. And it was it was doing doing good for me along with the you know, the, the triathlons. And then of course, as I said, you hit 40 and and there's a very different thing in store for you. But again, it's awareness, you know, that the the journey of fitness is a lot of self-awareness. And that, I think, is the, one of the biggest lessons that I have taken away over the years and more so working with you. You're, you're reminded on a weekly basis to tap into your inner inner, inner self and, and ask yourself these powerful questions like, what was your biggest win or what would you have done differently? How will you see yourself in a different way this week? Those are just self-awareness questions, aren't they? Exactly. And I think that that reflection part is so, so valuable. And it gives us an ability to have that third-person perspective and then actually do something with that information as well. I think that that's one of the biggest missing parts to life and fitness and anything that you want to do well in, in life is just that reflection point. What did go well? Okay, perfect. If that went well this week, how can I replicate it again so it can go well the next week? Same with what didn't go so well. Well, what were the gaps that caused this not to go well? And then we start taking action on filling those gaps as well. So that self-awareness and that reflection piece, I think, is really important. And now I want to get to the point of when we did start together, which was in 2021. You obviously were in your 40s at that stage. You came off the back of a very challenging 2020 due to personal circumstances as well. And I know that you mentioned that at that time, you were tempted to reach out then, but I think that you mentioned that it just wasn't the right time back in 2020. And eventually we did start speaking in about February, 2021. So can you give us some context of what the months looked like leading up to reaching out for the first time, maybe due to the challenges that you had in 2020? Can you go through that process of what being in your forties looked like, going through some personal challenges and eventually taking that step to say, okay, now's the time to turn things around. Yeah, I think the biggest sort of um, turning point for me, as you as you rightly said, was the, the I was grieving in 2020. And the grief itself is, um, I, I want to say it's a very uh, beautiful emotion, because again, it, it gives you the opportunity to open a window into self reflection, and ask yourself a lot of questions about where is it that I'm going with myself? What are, what are my, um, what are my aspirations in life moving forward? Because you've you're mourning the loss of a person. In this case, it was uh, for me, my dad. And I I think I had realized at that point what I was grateful for. And one of the things that struck me the most was I want to be grateful and con and continue working on my health because my health was something that could have gone completely haywire through 2020 as a consequence of my loss, as a consequence of the lockdown that we were all in. And I saw, you know, I saw so many different um, contrasts with the community that, that I was surrounded by. I saw a lot of people had just let go and not not judging anybody, but they had let go. And I could see that there was a, a lot more uh, drinking happening in my community, people close to me. I, I was making these observations. I was starting to drink a lot more as well. And this was something that, you know, when you know this is not that great for you, but you just can't stop. So that that was a big wake-up call for me because I, I very clearly remember this one evening, everybody had gone to bed and it was think two or three months into, you know, dad passing and I was watching some film on Netflix and I was having, you know, a glass of wine and before I knew it, I'd had the entire bottle and I looked at this bottle, it was completely empty and I thought, wait, that's that's not who I am and I don't want to be that person because I'm trying to cover my pain through this. I can do that in another way. And the, the best part is I knew how I could go for a more adaptive coping mechanism because again, life sends you angels. And I had enrolled on a course back then, which was called um, Realize, Realizing Resilience. And it was a part of my coaching journey. So I had literally read on a chapter that morning on adaptive and maladaptive coping mechanisms through adversity. And maladaptive was drinking, drugs, overeating, etc. And adaptive was exercise, reaching out to your community, uh, speaking about it, reading on it. And there was me in the evening doing completely not what I was supposed to subscribe to. 
So that was a big wake up call. But then I also recognized I need to first give myself permission to grieve and then I will subscribe to my health again. And this time round, I want to do it in a way that I can find someone who can hold me more accountable. And I always knew that you were there because I had heard about you from a good friend that we that we know from, you know, from Kinna. And I'd had this conversation with him. He'd spoken to me about his journey and I was very inspired to see the results that had occurred for him. But I'd left it at the back on the back burner. I started following you on Instagram, I remember. And I was sort of kind of getting to know you a little bit through social media, obviously. I liked what I saw. I, I, I think what I connected with, with was your your style. You you were gentle, but you gave the message in the affirmative, assertive way. So there was a lot of things that were ticking my boxes, but I also gave myself that permission to wait. You need a few months, Goldie, perhaps. Well, I don't know how much time I needed because you just don't know with these things. But I, I did know that at that moment, I wasn't ready for it. And I think it was, yeah, a good eight months later that I definitely said to myself, okay, now is the time. And of course, I took some action on my own. I stopped the drinking. I I was very conscious of this and I and I told myself I informed my immediate family look guys I need to sort of work on this which is a big part of I think solutions you need to tap into your support system so I did I did that I I was always exercising so as I said it it, it never stopped for me the exercising I was even running in my house I remember we were not even allowed to leave our homes and I was running in my house up and down the stairs that's how much I was tapping into my exercise but I was not eating properly I was not you know looking after myself I don't think I was sleeping too well back then either and then yeah I spiraled and I think February 2021 is when I said to myself that's it I I I need to get the right help now because I'm ready to look after myself because yeah I was feeling was feeling a bit better then by then and that's when we had our first phone call. Yeah, it's a powerful step in the right direction. I think there's a couple of big pieces of that story. The first is giving yourself that permission to take the time that you need but also not allowing that six to eight months to become six to eight years and I think that that's what so many people do so I think it was powerful that you got yourself to a position where you're like okay well this isn't me uh the person who's drinking that full bottle of wine and staying up late and then waking up the next morning and potentially looking at doing the same thing you know a few days later for example so I think that's the first big step and also doing a little bit of work on yourself and then knowing what you personally needed the accountability you know someone to take you to that next level as well and at that stage how were you the heaviest that you had been because you mentioned the 58 kilo mark roughly when you were having children so were you the heaviest you had been at that point when we started working together I'd gained yes I had gained and I think I was touching 63 or 64 when we started and for me, obviously, like the number on the scales, it's not a big deal, Elliot, but it is also a marker that you kind of, okay, let's forget about the numbers. It's about the clothes at the end of the day. You, sure. Yeah. You, you practically don't want to go and buy yourself another wardrobe because you realize that that's not going to fix anything. And it's just going to sort of add a layer, or, you know, add a bandaid on the wound that just hasn't been addressed fully. So yeah, it was it was the, the, the clothes. I didn't feel that it was doing anything for me, you know, anymore. So and then the, the, the marker was the, the number on the scale for sure. 63. I, I think I remember that was the number. Yeah. And I think, as you've mentioned, it's like it's what it represents and what it quantifies. It doesn't matter if someone's 63, 83 or 103. It really just comes down to what that feels like to them and is it aligned with the person that they want to be are these the clothes size that they want to be wearing that feel that it represents them their best selves and ultimately you knew that that was probably quote unquote within metric terms 10 kilos away from where you truly felt like yourself was represented or maybe eight to ten for example so i think that that's what a lot of people will need to kind of get out of their mind it's like it's really not about the number of scale it's really about how you feel within yourself like that scale number might be the exact same but if you felt as it comes back to your sense of how you're feeling and you felt 10 times better then it really doesn't matter especially as well if you've got all your health markers in a good place as well which 
tends to not happen if we're traveling upwards on the scales and we're 10 kilos away where we feel that we are at our best. And obviously we went through that journey and you ended up yeah, dropping around the, I would say about 10 kilos or so during that time. What were some of the things you learned and some of the things that surprised you during the success of your first fat loss phase? Well, starting off with the number, I today can tell you that that means nothing, to be honest, because there's so much more. There's so much more to gain. And I I think that the first thing, so accountability was number one lesson. I, I've always been somebody who would like to believe that if I can't uh, be accountable towards myself, I need to be accountable to somebody else, which then in turn gives me the ability to know that I can do this. So I started off being accountable towards you, but over time I've realized that this has changed my mindset and now I am 100% confident in knowing I can do this on my own. So that's the, I think the big, biggest circle I've made. And I think that is predominantly because of all the other parts of education that I have been given. It's a bit like you've been the teacher, you've taught me, but it's my responsibility as a student to learn, but then practice. I can't just learn, read, hear, listen to podcasts, and then not do anything. And then the, the next shift has been results. And how so? Let's forget the way I look, like completely forget. It's how I feel. I feel I'm a better person today. I feel that sleep is something that nobody talks about enough. And if you don't talk about it, it means hopefully you're either sleeping well, but if you're not, that has a direct impact on your mental health and your physical health. So that's been the biggest takeaway amongst many others. Sleep is so important. You could easily avoid anxious eating if you are sleeping your eight to 10 hours easily. Yeah, I was going to say that was a key that we noticed for you, right? In your journey is that literally any time that you were having a challenging week, it was obviously because of maybe some circumstances that come up in your life, but the well-slept Goldie was able to handle those with not ease per se, but sufficient amount of energy that made those things not provoke so much anxiety, not provoke so much difficulty. And then it was those weeks where you're like, okay, well, actually, if I look back, my sleep sucked for like the past three or four nights. There was a kind of an immediate knock-on effect to say, well, actually, then the situations became harder to handle. And then the maladaptive coping mechanism started to kick in a little bit more as well. And that was a big, big one for us to realize during your journey, right? Absolutely. I, I was able to discover, you know, the power of naps. I was never a napper, but I guess it was the time as well. We were in 2021. We were still in a, you know, in I would say moderate lockdown for, for the most part of the world. So there was an there was, I, I tapped into that sort of advantage, as one would say, because I couldn't go anywhere. So let's take a nap instead. You know, in the middle of my working day, I'd find myself napping. And it was doing wonders to my to my mindset, eating more slowly. I've always been someone who eats very fast. And this was not having any positive effects on my digestive system, which was another big question you ask every week to us. How's your digestion? How's your stress? And how's your sleep? So going back to digestion, I didn't realize how poorly I was digesting until I decided to do some changes. And this was just simple things like sitting at your lunch or dinner time and being more present or focusing on something at the same time, which is adding value to you and not making you eat quickly because you know that you have one hour and I'm going to use that hour or 45 minutes. Okay. Let's not say one hour is a lot for lunchtime, but 45 minutes to eat your lunch. Well, you know what? I'll watch something. I'll watch a documentary and at, whilst it's on, I'm supposed to be eating and not finishing the food and then watching TV. It was a parallel process. And these were all tips that you, you handed over to us, to me, especially because that was something that we recognized was not working for me. Yeah, and I think it's many of the simple get underutilized things. And it's like, sometimes when you hear something like, oh, well, you know, I'm used to that bloating, I'm used to my bowel movements being a little bit all over the place, and I become accustomed to those things. And they're just kind of back in my mind things and not really anything that becomes too important. But then you think, okay, well, what is the 
knock-on effect of poor digestion. Well, it's not absorbing the nutrients that your body needs. And what does not getting the nutrients that your body needs look like? Well, it looks like diseases. It looks like illnesses. It looks like conditions. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, wait a minute. Like these things are a little bit more important. What's come from me just thinking, okay, I need to squeeze in, you know, my lunch into 10 minutes has now become, well, actually, if I keep doing this for the next 20 years of my life, then I'm not going to be absorbing the nutrients. And then I'm going to end up with deeper problems later down the line. And as you've noticed, you know, the older you get, the later you get into life, they become a little harder to navigate as well. So yeah, I think those were big ones that we took away in terms of sleep, in terms of your digestion as well. And how did you feel when you reached your fat loss goal after, you know, many months of working towards it, kind of being in this new shape and having this new feeling ultimately. And I think that's a key point I want to make as well is that the shape and the goal of an aesthetic perspective will get you there in the short term but the reason why I don't stop doing what I do now when it comes to training and nutrition is because I don't want to feel any other way so I think that you can probably share that perspective with me as well so how did it feel to achieve the goal in your fat loss phase after turning things around you know Elliot I've realized one thing if you have control over your health and when I'm I'm gonna say first physical health this has direct impact on your mental health and then if you have control, not control because you can't control mental health, but if you can manage, manage your mental health as a consequence of having a better physical health, they go hand in hand. And then I think that's the recipe for unstoppable in life. And I, and I say this with a lot of conviction because I've had a lot of setbacks as well in the last two years, as, as you also know. I mean, our, our relationship is coach and client has turned into friendship. So you do know a lot of, of my, you know, setbacks, but every setback, I've only been able to overcome those setbacks and make a comeback, literally, thanks to taking control over my physical health, which has then tapped into my mental health. So if I have gone through anxiety, I now today know one of the easiest and most efficient ways is to go for some physical exercise even on days when you're not up to it, because the repercussions of it are so wonderful in the later on. And, and why do this only when you're having a low day? Do it every day. So from it becoming a goal, which we can call it whatever, weight loss, fat loss, whatever, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And that lifestyle includes good sleep, eating well, and eating well means eating everything. I don't stop myself. I eat everything. But you know what's what's better for you. You know that your the macros there's a science behind it. And I think that is the myth that people just get either scared of or you know, it's not their fault. A lot of people are still under this old mindset of going on on a on a diet is uh something you do to look good. I don't think Elliot, in the two years that we've been together, we have ever used the word diet. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I don't think in we have. Any, <laughs> in any check-in, ever, ever. It's always a loss of some kind. So in this case, we translated it to, to fat loss. Now, what is fat loss? Fat loss is recognizing that your muscles have an ability to work really well, but there's a bit of fat around them that you can eliminate. And then you become stronger, you become fitter. Fat loss is not weight loss <laughs> because sometimes the scales will stay where they are, but you will look different. How? Because you're strength training. You're accompanying, you're complementing the nutrition with the strength training. And strength training was a complete novelty to me before I entered the world of Elliot Hassoun coaching. <laughs> I did not know what it was. I did not know what it was to lift weights. I did not understand why this is beneficial. I always thought that losing, you know, fat equates to running or cardio, but it's not. It complements, yes, but fat loss is achieved through weight training, strength training. And of course, you, you're the expert on that, so I'm not going to keep going on, but you can concur, I think, on, on what I'm saying here. Absolutely. And I think that there's a big distinction between weight loss that I always like to make is that you know, weight loss for me is when you come across that person who just looks like a smaller version of themselves, right? They just look like they looked 
before, but now they're just, there's a little bit less of them. Whereas fat loss in my eyes or improving your body composition essentially is probably the best way to put it is mm. when you are really like kind of what you said about Jennifer Aniston at the very start of the conversation is like, she didn't look any lighter or any like thinner, let's say. She just looked stronger. She looked leaner. She looked like she had more shape and she looked like she had more health about her as well. And I think that that's the thing that I want a lot of people to get. It's like, yeah, there's a little bit extra fat loss there and that's a big part, but we also need to strengthen your muscles. We also need to make sure that you know it's not just about the fact that you are become a small version of yourself, but you're creating shape. You're creating ultimately the body that you want that becomes ready to do whatever you need it to do not just the smaller version of yourself when actually if you go down the traditional routes of weight loss which is just calorie restriction and running you end up not really being able to do much more with your body and that's another big distinction there when you're improving your body composition your body ends up being able to do more even with the weight that you lose whereas if you just do the typical things for weight maybe you're able to run a little bit longer maybe you now know how to eat a little bit less but your body doesn't really know how to do much more than what it did when it started exactly and you know i think over the over time what i've realized is there's there's a wonderful way that i tell myself weight loss is transactional it's going from a to b but fat loss is transformational because it's an inside out job i i mean that's how i see it it's a beautiful quote i actually love that and it's exactly spot on as well and what i want to do now is i want to transition into the next stage of your journey which was mainly 2022 and i looked at your graph before we came on to today's conversation to see for me that looks like on paper the year of maintenance you know but at the same time people think that you know maintenance might not be something that that's impressive but if anything it might be more impressive that you were able to maintain your weight for pretty much the entirety of the year. Once again, it's not just about maintaining this arbitrary number on the scale. It's what it represents, you know, for the first time. And I think this is a big thing when people hear this is like, well, if you were able to maintain that great feeling for um, once you achieved the goals that you wanted in terms of making your body feel and look the way that it wants to, most people would take that and most people haven't been able to achieve that. So I want to go through that because of also what ties into that is the marathon prep that we weren't quite able to finish. So run me through 2022 because I also have career changes noted down as well. So it was like a little heavy year, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 2022 was, was again, uh, it was a roller coaster. Uh, if we were to see Goldie on a personal level, even professionally, and then we have Goldie on her fat loss and, you know, fitness journey. But what, what I think sort of explains it in a nutshell is at no moment did I compromise on my health, irrespective of what was happening in my life. And I think that is why the maintenance was, was sustainable. And when I say sustainable, I, don't think I ever did, uh, you know, uh, extra training or extra running. Yes, I was preparing for a, a marathon, which does require some extra running for a period of what, two months, two months of 12 months. And even in that period, I had an injury, which I think for me was such a beautiful lesson because yes, so I fell and I, both my knees got cut up. And obviously this meant I couldn't do the run that was scheduled for three weeks later. But in those three weeks, what I learned was something I don't think I'll ever learn in my whole life and God, God forbid, which was I did not give up. I just surrendered. I did not give up on the idea of running. I just surrendered to the idea that I cannot allow my body to go through that right now, physically, literally, and emotionally, if I just tap into the idea of healing, then it's far more productive for me. And so what happened there was I was not mobile for a good two weeks. I remember we just focused on upper body and you, you set me up with like arms and some abs and there was, you know, the workout was very different, but it helped me towards my maintenance because I was able to manage my anxiety, which meant I wasn't binge eating. I wasn't doing silly things that I knew were counterproductive for all the, you know, for what I had subscribed to essentially. I, I didn't want to unsubscribe to this lifestyle that had worked so well and was going well. What, just because I got injured? The victim mindset came, yes, maybe for a few days, which is normal. It's completely normal. But then we had a chat, I remember, and you said, well, 
what do you realistically notice yourself doing in the you know in the immediate future and i said i can do upper upper body because i'm still strong i mean i'm not i've lost ability to move my legs for for the most part because i couldn't even walk at the time but i can still do some upper work and that will get, keep me going until i heal with with my knees and the funny thing was it wasn't even a month into the 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 process of recovery and i did a 10k if you remember which was october and i i don't know how i did it but i did it and i think it was that it was just never compromising on your health always keeping it as a priority and what i like that you said there is that you mentioned that you didn't want to unsubscribe to the lifestyle and i think that that's a powerful point because of it's very easy to unsubscribe to a diet. It's very easy to unsubscribe from something that seems like it's only going to be around for a few months and it's only for the purpose of x equals y x plus y equals z, you know, in the sense of I'm only doing this because I want to achieve this weight loss and then I want to go back to my normal life. But the fact that you made it a lifestyle and as you mentioned, well, you know, you weren't going to, you might have to have adapted your training because you weren't able to use your legs as efficiently as you could before because you were injured, but you weren't going to stop training. The opposite wasn't, you weren't going to go backwards to your nutrition. And like you said, start binge eating. Yeah, there's a few days of feeling sorry for yourself, but on a long-term basis, that was never happening. And you weren't just going to give up on all this work that you'd done for the last year and a half. And it's because, like you said, it's because it was a lifestyle. It wasn't just a diet that you were going to finish at some point you're like well you know it's kind of finished itself now because i can't finish follow through with this it was like okay well this is a lifestyle it's not going away i'm still doing this so what are my next options and that's i think was the big key to your success was like knowing that okay well i can't do this right now but the lifestyle isn't so black and white there's more things that i can do within this time and i think that they taught us a lot more than we expected to be honest exactly this was like on a on a on a physical level i, I had to go through this experience and i went through it fine a few months later i was able to complete the half marathon not in the uk but in barcelona which was obviously very gratifying for me and at the time i remember also thinking well is it really about being so rigid with your goals it's not it, another thing that i learned from this entire two year process is flexibility is key and and giving yourself the opportunity to do the same thing but differently getting the same results is it's absolutely okay i wanted to run in the lun in i think it was in oxford but that's when i got injured so okay that's fine but doesn't mean i'm going to throw away all the training i've managed to you know achieve i'll just pause and then <clears throat> you know delay it for later and and then barcelona was in the picture there was a run in march no april april 3rd i remember and and that's what i did i i went for that with um with nikash in, interestingly so community has been a huge part of whether i have influenced him or he has influenced me i think it's a mutual uh you know gain i would say so yeah it's mutual he pushed me i pushed him he motivated me he empathized with me i empathized with him because we have the you know the, the affinity to understand each other when it comes to running and how important it is for the for the two of us so there was that and then of course i i did get a new job at the towards the end of 22 well august september i did not realize at the time how much anxiety this would come with because i was adapting to a completely new schedule it was hard it was very hard and i remember and this was i think the it, this could have been breaking point for me i think and i said well i need to just uh, put aside things in order to make room for this new job which just sounds so awful right like what are you doing putting a job in front <laughs> of everything else and uh, one of the things i was questioning was my fitness journey and whether i need to be you know subscribing to this lifestyle because it involves planning doesn't it i mean you don't just make these uh, uh healthy meals uh with a click of a finger they don't make themselves <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> they don't they don't make themselves so but again you know we had a conversation and you said to me are you sure what is the cost effect of this you know the and uh, and i was like no you're right if anything i need more than ever in my life now is to stay true to who i've you know signed up to be because if not i'm not going to be a good coach am i if i'm not feeling it over here so again big lesson it's not transactional it's transformational it just it make it wires you differently and i can't stress that enough because so many people just really have this belief that 
you know, oh yeah, yeah, just going to lose a few kilos and then I'll be back to my old self. Yeah, but what is your old self? And your old self took you there in the first place. The old self took you to the place that you didn't ultimately want to be. So it comes back to that reflecting part again and that self-awareness. It's like, well, if you look at the action and behaviors of the past self, it wasn't that they were bad. It's just that they don't currently align with the goals that you have and the lifestyle that you want to live. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like stepping, it doesn't mean changing. It means stepping into this new identity. And as you mentioned, transforming yourself. And that doesn't have to be a complete change from top to bottom, but it means doing things a little bit differently if you want to maintain the lifestyle of the person who feels amazing all the time. And as you mentioned, those healthy meals don't make themselves. Those workouts do not complete themselves. And you have to show up and do it. And it's something that fortunately we can own our health, but we still have to pay rent. You know, we still have to like make sure that we are putting the gas in the home or the electricity in the home to make sure that it's still running and we still have light and we still have energy, right? And that's what you're training your nutrition is on a week-to-week basis. Otherwise, the you know the lights are going to go off and the energy is not going to be there. So I think that's a like a big, big point that I want to make there. And also what you mentioned in regards to like setting things aside, definitely things need to be prioritized when, you know, maybe you have your child or maybe when you start a new job, for example. But if you can start those things with health and fitness, trust that it's going to be way easier to maintain your health and fitness with those versus trying to introduce it six months down the line after you've neglected Mm. it for six months. And you're like, oh, well, I'm settled in my job now. But now you have to learn how to integrate it whilst you've already put your habits and structures in place for six months. Whereas if you do that job of, okay, it might be a little bit harder for the first couple of weeks, but if you try and integrate it all at the same time, when you get to six months, you're good. You know, you've got your new job in place. You've got the, you've got your bearings on that front. And then you've also not lost the grip of your health and fitness either, which I think is vital. I don't think I can see myself in a, in a different life now. Even, even if we finish our you know, journey as coach client, I I know that a large part of me will still be in touch with you because again, it's transformational. This is another thing that I don't think anyone really thinks about is the the relationship you form with your coach is not just something that you finish with. No, you, it goes on and there will be moments I will probably come back to you and say, Hey, Elliot, you know, let's have a chat. I'm, you know, going through something and because you know, it's, you, you, you are now part of my support system which is uh, a very big thing to acknowledge because not everybody is in that support system. It sounds like, oh, fitness journey, but there's so much more. (laughs) There really is. The onion gets, there's so many layers to this, yeah. Absolutely. It's something that I heard recently. I spoke to someone who I haven't worked with since 2019. He was like, even though we haven't spoke that much, we've had these brief interactions. He was like, I still have a mini Elliot on my shoulder that tells me things that I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing when it comes to health and fitness. So I know that the mini Elliot lasts for at least four years. So you've got that to come, <laughs> but I'm sure that... <laughs> Not only that, but we'll be definitely be interacting. Like I said, we've built a, a beautiful relationship and that continues to this day. And I want to come to this day as well, because 2023 has been a big part of your journey as well. And that has been something that's been super eye-opening, I think, to yourself as well as myself in the sense of there was a point this year where, you know, things didn't seem to be going quite as we wanted to in the terms of the new fat loss goal that we set to get you to ultimately the lightest and the best position you've ever been. We were using metrics as a point of reference, but not for the point of importance. But yeah, ultimately to get you to the best shape that you've ever been from that perspective. And all of a sudden we come to a point in February and March or something along those lines where things weren't quite going as well as we expected them to. Can you run us through that story? Yeah. I mean, I think as a human being, you, you get tired, you get tired because your patience is only only lasting to a certain amount. And again, life doesn't stop. There's always challenges, you know, thrown at you. And there have been as like with everyone in their lives. And I realized that I felt a little bit stagnant. I guess I was blaming myself a little, which was not the best narrative. The inner critic was a bit on a high volume. And so I think what I what I what I wanted to sort of highlight at this point was, if you're going through that, what you need to tap into is how far you've come and take stock of, wait, you're having a a lull right now, but don't forget what you've done thus far. And let's go back and see what is it that has enabled you to come this far? What are your strengths? You know, it sound like a bit of, I sound like a coach now, which I am, I know, but it really was about self-coaching myself along with you asking me the right questions. And I think that 
was for me. Yeah, it was the point where I realized how valuable it is to be with a professional who can ask you those questions and you don't need to completely give up on something that just needs a pause perhaps. And I think we we spoke about this very openly and I said, well, I think the best way that I can see myself going towards this end goal is putting maybe something there for me to be attracted towards. So I gave myself the opportunity to run again for a race. And because I recognize that I'm goal-driven, and that's something I've done without any problems in the past, you know, prepare for a run. And I, I, I remember very clearly, I was coming back from my, my trip to India, and I was on the flight, and I was just, you know, before we were taking off, I was just checking my phone for a couple of things, and, and I got inspired to check, okay, so where are the next uh, 21Ks in Spain? maybe Madrid, because I've never run there before. It seemed like an exciting, you know, idea to me. And I found one for April, and it suited my timeline in terms of it's 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 doable, you know. I'm not going to be running a race without any preparation because I take that very seriously. And I I locked in that in my mind, and I was like, this is, this is what I need. I need to take the focus off the challenge that's not completely going right and put my focus on something else that I know I'm good at. And it was that. And we we spoke, I think, a couple of days after I got back and I told you about my plans. I think you were like, okay, <laughs> you want to do a run and you want to do a Here fat loss? Here she goes again. Here she goes again. But in my heart, I knew this is what's going to help me to take off that stupid pressure that it was unnecessary, really. Yeah, it allowed to place the focus on an area that, like you said, you knew you were good at, you knew you were capable of, and it could coincide with what we were doing on the fat loss side of things. And I think that maybe that it just provided that extra piece of motivation, like, okay, well, this is going to make sure that CLC, the running is going to get done. And essentially, that was a big portion of it. And we knew that the weight training was going to get done as well. And it also then became really important to make sure, okay, recovery is super important. So now the nutrition needs to be in check. I can't really be having too many late nights. Maybe I can't have so much alcohol and all these different types of things. Mm. And it allowed you to get that kind of more tunnel vision focus, which I think was the essential key to take us to that next level. Exactly. And you know what it was? It was stepping out of my comfort zone, which I was not doing. I, I needed that. You, you do that in life sometimes. You have to push the, the envelope a little bit in order, in order to get the bigger result. And the bigger result has literally been that, a transformational change in my head. I, I feel more confident. Honestly, I do as a person because I know that I, I, I feel good. You know, I feel strong. I, and maybe that is not the translation to somebody else, but for me, it is. For me, it is. If I feel mentally and physically strong, then I am a better person. I show up differently for my relationships, uh, for my family. And ultimately, that's what I feel like your journey has been. It's not been a journey of, okay, we just got a little bit of body fat off Goldie's frame. It's that we've literally, you know, gone through what it truly means to live your best lifestyle, how you can be the best mom, how you can be the best coach, how you can be the best wife, how you can be the best friend that you can possibly be. And I think that that has really, really come to the forefront during all of these things that we've done with your physical well-being, your mental well-being. And something that I think that has been really incredible is your ability to go away, take on information, reflect, be so open-minded. And I think that's ultimately led you to where you are today, where you're feeling great, you know, you're looking great, and you are got the key to success in the long term as well, which I think is probably one of the most powerful things is that this isn't going away anytime soon. No, hopefully not exactly. I mean, I think when you're able to listen to your body on such a deep level, which is, I think, the last thing I'd want to say, you are connected with yourself. And what better what better recipe than self-connection that then provides you connection with others on, on a much better level your your self-esteem your self-value only comes from from you we're not here to take it from other people contrary to what a, a lot of people unfortunately think i'm not here to take that validation from others i don't care <laughs> but i need to know that i'm good with myself and then you know that's just the truth for me that's my truth absolutely i was about to ask you if you got any closing messages for the listeners but i think that was a pretty solid one but anything else to add <laughs> i think i've said it all elliot <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the one thing I have to say is that I'm going to rename. I'm gonna respell your name from G O L D I E to G O A L D I E. I don't know why I have never come up with that. As in Goldie for the gold-driven nature that you have. I never think I've ever come to me in the two and a half years that we've known each other. I was like, how have I not called you Goldie yet? But that's that's my new name for you. So you're now G O A L. <laughs> T-I-E to oh, me. it's true. I'd never heard of that either. <laughs> you just coined a new term. <laughs> but no, but just big thank you to you, Elliot, really. Uh, I, I know that you help a lot of people and, and God bless you. But I, I the, what you've done for me has been, it's been golden. <laughs> oh, we're on, we're on the gold, <laughs> the gold uh, analogies I'm, now. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> Both puns intended, but no, the pleasure to me truly mine. And like I said, it's beautiful to start a fitness journey with someone where you literally know nothing about them. And then you come to the end of the journey when you feel that you've imparted like as much wisdom and knowledge as you possibly can. They've been so, so responsive in terms of absorbing that and applying that to their own lifestyle. And I think that that's one of the most important things that you know as a coach is ultimately you want to impart those learnings, but you want that person to integrate them. You want them to utilize them to the best of their ability and fulfill their potential. And that's exactly what you've done. And we've gone from not knowing each other at all to becoming friends. And I think that's a perfect kind of full circle journey in my eyes as well. But so thank you as just as much gratitude as you have for me, I have for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Perfect. So we'll wrap up there, Gordy. But thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey. The pleasure is all mine. (laughs) 